I would like for you all to just close your eyes. Don't fall asleep. If I hear snoring, the game's over. Just for a moment, I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to picture what I'm about to read to you. I want you to close your eyes and open up your imagination, okay? This only works if everybody close your eyes and, and just kind of get ready, because I just I want to read this to you, and I want you to let it flow through your mind. I want you to picture what I'm going to read. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights above. Praise Him, all His angels. Are you picturing this? Praise Him, all His heavenly hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at His command they were created. Are are you picturing this in your mind? And he established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths. Lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding. You mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars. Are you picturing this? Wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and rulers on earth, young men and women, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for His name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. Can you see it? And He has raised up for His people a horn, the praise of all His faithful servants of Israel, the people close to His heart. Wow. That is a great picture of worship. Isn't that a great picture? Did you picture all those things in your minds? You can, you can open your eyes now, by the way. That's, that's long enough. Did you picture some of those things? How awesome is that going to be? I think that Psalm 148, which is what I just read to you, is a great way to start off looking at the secrets of worship. Now, having read this to you, let me ask you a question. How do you worship? Don't answer that out loud. But how do you worship? What is your idea of worship? One of the first secrets of worship that I want to share with you is that what we do here between 11 and 1230 on a Sunday morning should not be your answer. The Bible tells us that the way we live our lives is our daily act of worship to the Lord. And Psalm 148 says we should praise Him. Yes, we will praise Him today, and we have praised Him here today in many ways already. I hope that you've praised Him here today with your offering. I love hearing, woohoo! That's praising Him. It's not a gimmick. It's not just something that, that is done. It's something that's done with sincerity because we read verses about being a joyful giver. I love that. Praise Him in your offering. I hope that, that, that when we remembered what Christ did for us during our time of communion, I hope that you were praising Him. I hope that we will also be prepared to continue praising Him when we leave here today. Will you pray with me? Father God, we come here this morning to hear Your Word, to maybe hear something different about Your Word than what we've heard before. And I pray that, that what we hear will apply to our lives. And that when we do that, we will, we will be different. We'll be a different reflection, a better reflection of you. I pray that as we hear your word today, as we see just how awesome you are, that when we leave, 
we'll have a desire to continue what we started here today. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. It's amazing to me when I really look at Scripture like Psalm 148, because I begin to realize all creation is singing the praise of the one who fashioned and formed the universe. And and all those things mentioned in Psalm 148 uh, about singing stars and animals and the earth's ovation that cannot drown God's desire to hear your voices. As magnificent as those things are, thinking about mountains proclaiming his majesty and, and all these things, they can't drown out God's desire to hear your voice. You see, in the midst of this miraculous and immense symphony of praise, God is still mindful of you. He's going to extraordinary lengths to give you life and breath and redemption through his son. But why would God pay such a high price to bring us to life again? Maybe it's that we're prized above all of his creation. That we are loved by God who made the heavens and the earth. Think on that for a second. A realization of this kind of grace should awaken our hearts to an extravagant worship as we take our place in what I like to call his symphony of praise and join the chorus in how you live your life. On both the best days and the worst days, the brightest and the darkest days, the darkest nights, we should live our lives praising God no matter what's going on. The stars do it. The stars do that. And I want to share with you some things. And and some of these things I borrowed from Louis Giglio, but it's okay because he borrowed them from somebody else. And that's that's how it works in that circle of of being a minister. You You can borrow these things. I don't know where he borrowed them from. Somewhere smart. But I'm going to share some space knowledge with you guys. For example, did you know there is one star in a group of stars? It's called the Vela Pulsar. It's about 800 to 1,000 light years away from us, which is really far, in case you're trying to figure that out. It's farther than like going to Florida. It's really far away. <laughs> and this, this is the Vela Pulsar. This is one of the pictures of what it looks like. It's pretty impressive. It's a highly magnetized, now put on your science cap for a minute and follow me. It's a highly magnetized neutron star. I can see you're impressed. Okay. What you need to know is that when a star comes to the end of its life, it actually explodes. That's when stars die and all stars die, they explode. And when that happens, um, sometimes they'll come in, they'll change into like a supernova or a nebula of some kind. But with the Vela Pulsar, with this star right here, um, the magnetic power of this star, as it was released, the magnetic pull, if you will, of this star was so strong that after the explosion, all the particles and all the dust and all the gas and everything was brought back together, all right? And it reconstituted itself, if you will. It upcycled, is, is a trendy word. It upcycled itself into a highly magnetic entity, and that's a pulsar. And that's what you're looking at right now, and you still don't seem very impressed. Okay. In the case of the Vela Pulsar, though, it is spinning 11 times a second on its axis. And and that's what's happening right now. As we speak, the Vela Pulsar is spinning 11 times a second on its axis. You're not... Okay. (laughs) So is that good news? Is that bad news? Actually, what does that have to do with the secret of worship? Maybe what some of you are thinking. Here's how you can appreciate the Vela Pulsar. We're going to do a real quick activity. Everybody stand up real quick. Go ahead. Stand up. Now, when I count to three, I want all of you to spin around 11 times in one second on one foot. One, two. Okay, we're not going to do that, all right? Because you, 
Nobody will make it. All right, now maybe you can sit back down. Maybe you got a little bit of appreciation for what the Vela Pulsar is doing, spinning 11 times a second on its axis. But here's what's cool about it. The Vela Pulsar is spinning, and as it spins, it's emitting a radio frequency. That little, those little bursts, you see them? The little, the little red burst that's coming out? That's making a sound. And it's sending out a radio wave into the universe. And here's the crazy thing. We can hear it. Can you hear it? Not yet you can't because we haven't played it. But we built these enormous radio telescopes, we being NASA and government. and they, it, I say we because it was our tax dollars. So I like to think that I own part, of, you know, part ownership of one of these great magnetic telescopes that listens to sound. We point them out into the universe so that we can hear intelligent life, which we haven't gotten back yet. We haven't heard any responses but we've heard what the Vela Pulsar is doing seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365, years, uh, 365 days a year. And this is what the Vela Pulsar is doing right now. Listen to this. It's not a helicopter. It's the Vela Pulsar. That's what it's doing. That is cool. I don't really know what it is, but it's cool. That thing, I'm thinking, because I think weird thoughts sometimes, but maybe somewhere along the line, the Vela Pulsar maybe heard about Psalm 148. Maybe the Vela Pulsar heard, you know, it says, praise him, sun and moon, praise him, all you shining stars. And the Vela Pulsar is out there and it's going, you know what, we're shining stars, so we should praise him. I don't know, let's, what can we do? Let's spin around 11 times on our axis and make noise. And emit a radio frequency, and we will be part of the rhythm section of the symphony of praise that's coming to God from all creation. Amen. Open up your imagination. Think this through with me. And the, the Vela Pulsar, it's in this mix, this symphony of praise that David wrote about. I don't know that, that the psalmist knew about the Vela Pulsar when he wrote that. Stars sing his praise. But that's pretty cool. I want to show you another group of stars. Now, this group of stars is called 47 Tuck. And I just like looking at this group of stars because it's just like, it's amazing. Uh, it's said that the, the it, it, first off, it's got a very scientific name. Uh, as if 47 Tuck wasn't enough. What you're looking at is called a globular cluster. I could have named that, right? <laughs> so there's a globular cluster. And the nucleus of stars that you're looking at there in the middle is about the size of a full moon in the southern hemisphere. And in the middle of 47 Tuck, in the middle of this, is this, this brilliant mass of stars. It is 16,700 light years away from Earth, so twice as far as going to Florida and back, if you will, at least. Um, and, and at the core of, of 47 Tuck, there are 12 super blue giant stars. Now, you may be thinking, again, what's the big deal? It's 12 stars there in the middle. Yeah, it's pretty. They're diamondy and it's, it's shiny. But what's interesting for us today is these 12 stars, these 12 blue stars in the middle of this are, 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 are pulsing 23 milliseconds. They have 23 millisecond pulsars at the core of this. And, and when you listen to 47 Tuck, this is what it sounds like. I'm not making this up. You can, you can look these things up on your own, uh, on the Google. This is what it sounds like. Isn't that beautiful? 
I mean, who knew that God had his own string section already? He, there's like, warm them up, boys. Wee, wee, wee. Some of you may have middle schoolers in band, and you're thinking we never heard anything that good. But <laughs> I understand. It's amazing to know that our universe is not quiet. And when you read things from the Psalms like this about, about what's going to worship God, it blows my mind. Our universe is full of sounds. And when we sing a song like sing, sing, sing and make music with the heavens, the heavens are like, that's right. You are because that's what we're already doing. Get, get in with this chorus. They're already doing it. We're singing out the praise of our great and awesome God who has put us in our place in his universe. You know what I find interesting about Psalm 148 when you read through it is we humans don't even get mentioned until after like the seventh or eighth verse. When I was reading through that to you, you know, God's symphony of praise, it starts in verse one with praise the Lord, heavenly hosts, sun, moon, shining stars. And, and for a long time, it's going on and on about the earth and about the heavens, nothing about us. So what does that what does that mean for us? I think it's pretty simple. And, and right here is another secret of worship that's revealed to us. We learn from Psalm 148 is this worship doesn't begin with us. Worship is not about us. You see, worship isn't just what we do on Sundays and worship doesn't begin with you and with me. Another secret of worship I want you to learn today is that it's it's just it's not about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. Our story begins with these words. Genesis 1 1 in the beginning, God created what? The heavens and the earth. Always in God's story, the first glimpse is God and is God and his glory and a glimpse of God in the midst of his praise. And then he creates us. See, God created the heavens and the earth and he created the sun and the moon and he created the water. He created all these things. He's showing his glory. And then he creates us. And it's our turn to join in the chorus that he's already created. The, the point for us today is that the worship didn't begin when we started to fill up this building. The worship began the second God existed and God has always existed, meaning he has always been central in the midst of praise long before there was even a heaven and an earth. Now, that doesn't mean that we're inconsequential to this worship thing because we are in the midst of Psalm 148. Listen to this. Praise the Lord from the earth. Now it's starting to come to our level. Praise the Lord to the earth. That's where we are. You great sea creatures. Oh, we got beat out by the whales <laughs> and all ocean depths. Praise <laughs> Excuse me. Lightning and hail. He mentioned lightning and hail before us. Snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding. You mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures, flying birds. All those things are mentioned before us. And then kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth. And then verse 12, young men and women, old men and children. We finally made it. We are in the mix. Verse 13, let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. And so the invitation comes to earth and, and, and it begins, interestingly enough, with, like I said, you great sea creatures. When you think about the great sea creatures, I think about whales. They're huge. Do you know whales come back to the same exact spot every year to reproduce? I can't hardly get to the church and back to my house without getting lost sometimes. I only live like two miles away. They travel the same path, the same way, every time. Do you know how they do that? It's because of the songs that they sing. 
And that's, that's what the psalmist wrote when he said, Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths. And I got to thinking, well, it's only fitting since we've shared the sound of the Vela Pulsar and the sound of 47 Tuck and the symphony of God's praise. I want to share one of the whale songs with you. Listen to this. I know people that sing like that. I may be one of them, which is why they don't let me sing very often. I love that. Thinking about the concept of the whales singing, thinking about the concept of the heavens praising God. And, and what we've done here for you today, we've, we've shared a couple of pulsars, shared some whale songs. And I wonder sometimes, just for a moment, I wonder what it would be like to be God, not so I could rule over stuff, but so that I could be in the center of everything in creation just for like one moment to hear all the stuff that's going on, all the music that's being made, to hear this, this symphony somehow weaving itself into this amazing symphony of praise. And I just think it would be amazing to hear for God. You know, we can't reproduce that, but we got creative and we got to thinking what it would be like if we recreated a, a small mashup for a symphony of worship. And so I'm going to add one more sound for you. This sound is a little pulsar. It's got a real simple name. It's, it's PR, or PSRBO329-54. I don't know why they couldn't have just called it Bob. But <laughs> this pulsar is spinning one and a half times a second on its axis, axis which is not really fast, but it's kind of groovy. And, and we're going to try and play that one. You got it? It's kind of groovy. They still say groovy? We're going to need that for a second. Now, here's what's going to happen. We're going to take PSRBO329-54, and we're going to lay that in with the other two pulsars, with 47 Tuck and, and with the other, the Vela Pulsar. We're going to lay those all in, slow them down a little bit, and we're going to get this little groove, and then we're going to add the millisecond pulsars, and it's all going to come together. We're going to have this mix, and then we're going to lay the whales in, okay? And so I want you to hear this. Because a little something cool starts to happen when we play that. Go ahead. Sing with me how great is our God. 
You know, I know you weren't planning on coming in here to church this morning and singing with whales and stars and pulsars and things like that and actually being a part of the symphony of creation that I shared with you. And there are so many more sounds. Water rippling. Did you know when a flower blooms, it actually pops? We'll never hear it. But, but God hears it. You know, when snowflakes are falling and they land... God hears that. There's so much going on in this symphony of creation. But the reality is that these things are just doing what they were created to do. Snow was created to fall. Water was created to flow through a stream. These stars were created to explode and spin around 11 times on their axis and make popping sounds and sound like a quartet. We need to do what we are created to do. You see, the secret of worship is that we were created to worship the God who created us. God has a universe praising him, angels praising him. But he wants your voice in the symphony. But it's not just about your voice. He wants your life in the symphony. He wants the way you live your life to be your daily act of worship for him. He wants that, your actions, your lifestyle. He wants that in, in his symphony of praise every day, every hour. You know, you may be thinking, hey, God doesn't want me in his symphony. I'm just, I'm just out of tune. I'm just another broken instrument. He doesn't want me. But I want to tell you this. There's something that is so unique about us. And it sets us apart from whales. It sets us apart from stars and pulsars and rippling water and snowflakes. It sets us apart from creatures in the deep. It sets us apart from the animals of the earth. And I want to remind you of this. You were created in God's image. God didn't create the earth in his image. He didn't create the whale in his image. He didn't create a star in his image. Scripture says we are created in the very spiritual likeness of God. You are created in the very spiritual likeness of God. And our voices matter to him. Our lives matter to him. How we live our lives matter to him. And he wants us in his symphony. He he has wanted a relationship with us since he created us. You can see that in, in the stories of creation and of Adam and Eve. He wants a relationship with us. The basis of this recitation is The Creation by James Weldon Johnson, but there's a little bit of a remix with comments by Lillian Cook. 
might want to get that. <laughs> and God stepped out on space. And he looked around and said, I'm lonely. I'll make me a world. As far as the eye of God could see, darkness covered everything, blacker than a hundred midnights down in a cypress swamp. Then God smiled, and the light broke. And the light stood shining on one side, and the darkness rolled up on the other. And God reached out and took the light in his hand, and he formed the sun and set it ablazing in the heaven. And the light that was left for making the sun God rolled into a shining ball, and he flung it against the darkness, sparkling the night with the moon and the stars. Then down between the light and the darkness, he hurled the world. And God said, that's good. Then God himself stepped down. The sun was on his right hand. The moon was on his left. The earth was before his feet, beneath his feet. And God walked. And where he trod, his footsteps hollowed the valleys out and bulged the mountains up. And God looked around and he saw that all was hot and barren. So he stepped over to the edge of the world and he sped out the seven seas. He batted his eyes and the lightning flashed. He clapped his hands and the thunder rolled. And the waters above the earth came down. The cooling waters came down. Then the little green grass sprouted, and the little red flowers blossomed. The pine tree pointed his fingers to the sky, and the mighty oak spread out his arms. Then God smiled, and a rainbow appeared and curled itself around his shoulders as the waters ran down to the sea. Then God raised his arm and waved his hand over the sea and over the land and said, bring forth, bring forth. And quicker than God could drop his hand, beasts and birds and fishes and fowls roamed the forests and the woods, swam the rivers and the seas and split the air with their wings. And God said, that's good. Then God looked around on all that he had made he looked at his sun, he looked at his moon, he looked at his stars, he looked at the earth with all its living creatures, and God said, I'm lonely still. This is where Lillian comes in. God had all these wonderful things. He had created the glorious mountains that we travel miles to see. We spent vacations there. He had created the sandy white beaches that we love to visit and walk in the water on the sand. He had the flowers that blossom every spring, the trees that blossom every spring, the trees that change colors in the foliage every fall that mimic the colors I'm wearing. God had all of this, the beast to follow his commands that listen to his voice, but he said, I'm lonely still. So let's go back to James Weldon Johnson now. So God sat down on the side of a hill by a big, wide river where he could think. God sat down with his head in his hand, and he thought, and he thought, until he thought, 
I'll make me a man. So up from the bed of the river, God scooped the clay. And down by the banks of the river, he nailed him down. And there, this great God Almighty, who lit the sun and fixed it in the sky, who flung the stars to the farmer's corner of the night, this great God, like a mother bending over her baby, toiled over a lump of clay until he shaped it into his own image. And then into it, he blew the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Amen. Amen. Just think, God created you. God created me. Because even though he had the sun, the moon, the stars, the beasts of the field, the fishes of the sea, he wanted something in his image that he could form a relationship with. And thanks to Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection, God sees me as something special. He sees me as righteous because of the blood of Christ. How do you see God? I love that poem, the, the imagery that it brings from the story of creation and the fact that God has wanted a relationship with us since creation. Now here's where we take a bit of a turn, you see. Because the Bible tells us that we've all messed up. We've all gone astray, if you were, uh, from where we were created and what we were created to do. We've, we've come off the path. We've turned away from God at some point. In the book of Romans, we're reminded that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I'm here to say that's absolutely what I've done once or twice. It's fallen away. It's what you've done. You know, we're, we're good sometimes at, at taking our own life and, and doing what we want to with it. And, and every time we do that, we're just kind of shoving back in God's face and telling him we know better than he does and we don't need him, that we could have made a better us. And you know what? When we do that, God could say, you know what? Go ahead. I've got a whole universe praising me that will praise me without you. If you, don't, if you want to be that way, that's fine. What do I need with a little teeny tiny rebel? Anyways, and he has every right when we turn away from him to say, you know what, I'm just going to flick you right out of here, right out of the story. But that's not what he does. It's not what he did. In fact, he does the complete opposite. He comes towards us. His desire is to draw us into a relationship with him. He forgives us. And, and when he does that, that relationship requires us to draw near to him as well. It requires us to move out of the darkness of sin and move into his realm. And the psalmist gives us another good direction on what this should look like or could look like for us in Psalm 63. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods, with singing lips, and my, my mouth will praise you. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night, because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wing. <clears throat> I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Do you see that? 
Do you see this glimpse of the secret of worship that's revealed right before our very eyes? Worship is not about whether you lift your hands or not. It's not about the music style or even if you like music or not or even if you have music or not. It's not about praise songs and choruses and hymns and the color of the building. Those things don't matter. That's not worship. Because God is our help. We should worship him with our lives, not just one hour a week, but every day that God allows you to wake up and open your eyes and take a breath. That's where our worship should begin every single day. And every day we should live out loud the statement, I will praise you as long as I live. God has created many, many, many amazing things. But above that, he created us in his image to have a relationship with us. And I don't know about you, but I've decided that I'm not going to be out worshipped by a star or a whale or a tree. I'm going to live my life as worship for my Lord. And if that's what you want to do as we come to our response time, this time is for you. Maybe you know, it's time to stop living for yourself and start living for him like the psalmist wrote. The baptistry is ready if you are. Maybe as a Christian, you've struggled with get, letting God lead you and show you where, where you should go. And, and maybe you've struggled with living your life in worship and you've just felt stuck because you've been living for yourself and you want to change it up, but you're not sure how to do that. The elders are here. They'd love to pray with you and talk with you. They'd encourage you in how to make those changes. But as we have talked about these things. Whatever your response is to God's word today, will you stand and sing with us and respond accordingly?